It was a year ago this summer that I began dreaming and thinking about a whole month where we, we bring senior pastors from churches here uh, that we could interview and pray for them and hear how the Lord is working in their churches. And we actually have some, some pastors from our community up here to unfold the, the Word of God because we are one in Christ. And the very first guy that I wanted to have was, was Glenn. Glenn's a, a friend of mine. He pastors um, Calvary Temple. It's now called The House. And anytime you drive down Briggsmore and Coffee, I want you to just say a prayer for, for them. And uh, man, it's cool to have uh, Cliff Traub here. Anytime you drive by one of their churches, you ought to pray for them and the work that they're doing there. Uh, Glenn uh, uh, wrote a book recently uh, called Christianity Light. And um, it says, Stop Drinking a Watered Down Gospel. And you can pick this book up at Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, and I want you to know this is the kind of book you ought to be reading. I want to suggest that you go out and purchase this book. It's really a fantastic book. It really is. But I'm just thrilled that my friend is going to be here, and he is my friend. And would you welcome Pastor Glenn Barto up here right now? Hey, man. Hey, Big Valley. How you doing? Good. Boy, it's great being here. It's great being here. Your pastor is a one of a kind. I think you know that. And uh, I, think, I, think, uh, I, I think that's why we're friends, is that he's just so different, you know? And, uh, you know, we both, we both are athletes here, and I, I play football, and, and you, what? T ball? Was it T ball? T ball? Yeah, T ball, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, he, he, you know, when he called, there were there were uh, two things that came to mind. Number one is this. Number one, I want you to hear my heart. Number one, I want I want to I want to deposit something and just bless you is what I want to do. And uh, but but I want to deposit something that that we all do as ministers when some when God does something and He gives us almost a life message. There's something that we're real passionate about. We preach everything. But there's something that we're real passionate about, and I want to be able to deposit that with you in a few minutes to do that. Number two, the reason I got real excited when your pastor called is to be able to honor him and honor his family. Um, what, what you don't see, and I, I think my church also is the same way, you don't get to see maybe the other churches, other pastors. There's something as pastors uh, we all have in common. It's kind of that fraternity. It doesn't matter what church you pastor. And if you pastor a large church, there are different things that you deal with and things like that. And same thing that your pastor deals with, I deal with. And it's kind of like if you're uh, in the Olympics and you're running track and whatever event you're in, it doesn't matter if they're from another country, you have something in common with them or you play sports or something in common. Uh, as a pastor, the same thing takes place and where, where you're under the same pressure, you're under the same stress, your family walks through the same things. And so... I want to let you know that, that today I, I'm very humbled, I'm very honored, and I really mean that. And uh, I also want to say this, is that your pastor is, uh, is someone here that um, is pastoring not, not just a great church in our city. This is one of the great churches in the country. Uh, there are not many churches in the country, I think there might be a couple thousand, over 2,000 in the whole nation out of 450,000 churches. So being a mega church like this, there are not many churches in the country that do this, which means there are not many pastors that are able to bring a church to this level. Now, 
Uh, I don't know if anybody can say this other than maybe somebody else in town that could come and tell you that a few years ago, you know in your church and those of you that have been in this church, I think there was some, some issues and, and the church here was wondering what leadership to go with. And you were wondering what kind of pastor should we get and so forth. And here's this old youth pastor here. Definitely he's not qualified to do this big deal. And uh, uh, some wise people here that heard from God said, you know what, we, we think we found who needs to lead us because we need a leader and we need a church uh, that has a, has a coach that can coach us into the next level. This is what I honestly believe. As I've been in this city for 20 years and pastoring 20 years, that uh, when you brought Pastor Rich and you brought Aaron in and their family in to pastor your church, that was one of the greatest decisions that you made. And you know what? This church, hold on, let me just say this. We're gonna, hold on, hold on. We're going to honor them. We'll honor them together, and I appreciate that. But I, I'm serious about this, that, that when you did that, this church then began to pull back together. I don't know if you know, it came together again. Uh, the love that, that needed to come together came together. The caring for one another, the divisions dropped, uh, the warfare dropped, and what happened is there, there was unity that was brought in. Now, let me just tell you, not many people in the ministry can do that. They can't pull it off. I'm serious. You have to have someone that is really close to God that prays. You have to have a family that is really dedicated and has a sincere, honest heart that hears things when they're on their knees. And that's what you have. Now, let me just share this with you as a pastor. I can tell you this, not many, but I can tell you this. What a pastor needs is needs encouragement from their church. There are 1,500 pastors that leave the ministry every month. The reason they quit the ministry is because it's just too hard. It's too hectic. You've had people calling you all the time. You're separated from your family. You have wives that are troubled. The, the kids here don't want to go to church. They're being judged. And there's just issues. And here the main problem is, and it describes it, and I'm going to show you Scripture because everything I do is by Scripture. In Galatians 6, 6, it says, let him who is taught the word, that's you, give back to the one who teaches. That's the pastor. What that is saying, church, I'm just trying to, everything is reciprocal. God's not making any more water. The water is coming up and reciprocating, right? Not making any more fruit, trees. What happens, everything grows, goes down, grows, and reciprocates. The Bible is saying this in that scripture, is that as pastors, we need to hear from you. Somebody needs to write. I'm challenging all of you here this week. He loves to drink coffee there. Give him a Starbucks card. Uh, he loves to eat, you can tell, and he likes to eat. So yeah, get, get him Texas Roadhouse, something like that. But this is, listen, church, this is what I want you to do. I want you to write a note to, to both of them. Say, you know what? There was about two months ago where I was in church. You spoke a message that totally changed my life. Uh, pastor, my son got saved about a year ago, and his life has been changed. Thank you for the youth ministry. Thank you for the ministry that you have on the addiction. I thank you for those ministries. And when you reciprocate back, the devil does not have anything that he can use against us to discourage us. You are the greatest protection for this pastor. Listen. I don't want to lose them from this city. I don't want to lose them from this church. And I tell you what, the devil wants me. He wants him. He wants the leaders, and he wants us to have issues. And I'm saying as a church, you are the protector. You are, let me just say it this way, you are the keeper of the flame. And so I want you, Big Valley, to go ahead with your pastor and Aaron and their family. Give them the biggest clap and honor your pastors right now like you should. Come on, stand your feet. We want you here. Stay here. We love you. You're the best. Be the best.
There you go. Okay. Okay. You can be seated. I know, I know you do this for the next 30 minutes, but then I just have to close it, and I want to tell you something. Oh, that was nice. And, and, I, and I honestly, I don't have to do I honestly believe that in, in with the Scripture. So I want you to do that. I want you to tell. Now, you can tell my accent is not California. I don't know if you know that, but, but my accent is Louisiana. Not Louisiana. It's Louisiana. Uh, it's not named after King Louise, King Louis. So Louisiana, we say, I was born in New Orleans. I was born in New Orleans. All my, half my relatives are in New Orleans, my uncle, my aunt, my cousins, and they're all from down there, Shia. So I grew up with Tabasco sauce in my bottle. I mean, that's the way we grew up. And, and so Mardi Gras was a big deal. Mardi Gras, New Orleans, that was my life. I mean, my whole family partied. When you hear about the party, I mean, that's what Popeye's is, a party in your mouth. And so New Orleans, that's where it started. Down in New Orleans, that's all it is is party. I grew up without having anyone in my family has ever been saved. So I'm going to help you and talk to you today about how to get your family saved and how to deal with this. But no one was saved in my family. I grew up in the deep south. My mom's from New Orleans. My dad is from the sticks. I mean, anybody know what a sticks is? It's just not, a, that's not something you can find on a GPS. You just drive and go down a dirt road and go someplace. And I mean, the, the, the animals live closer to him, to, to town. Uh, uh, and so, so this is the way I grew up. I grew up in the deep south where, where they say, bless his heart. This is where that started from. And if you, if you put that on the end of any phrase, you can say anything in front of it, and it just, it just forgives you. Boy, that's an ugly baby. Bless his heart. And see, you're, see, you're okay. That little boy is so uncoordinated, bless his heart. And if you say that, you're okay. Now, I also grew up in a place in the Deep South where they believed in spanking. How many grew up in a spanking family? You know what I'm saying? Some of these kids today, little Johnny, take a time out, time out. How many grew up with blackout? Daddy's going to black me out. I'm going to knock you out if you don't go. I didn't know a belt was a piece of clothing till I was 16. I thought it, pow. Swamp people, do you know, you ever watch Swamp People, Duck Dynasty, all of that? Those are all probably cousins of mine. They're all, we're all related. My, uh, my wife was here uh, last, uh, last meeting. My son was here. My son's our youth pastor. He just got married. And my wife is, uh, is um, uh, just a prayer warrior. She's just one of the most spiritual ladies in, in the world. I wish she could be here for this service. But um, she is just, she's incredible. It's like I, I married way over my head. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking around. Some of you did too. So look. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, 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 and my wife is just, I mean, and Aaron and is in the same place. Uh, Aaron doesn't have to do anything. I'm just telling you, the only reason that that pastor gets up and does what he does is because of Aaron. Do you know that? The only reason I can do what I do is because my wife handles so many things on her shoulders that our church does not see. Uh, I have three kids. Three kids, uh, all of them are married. I have, uh, what do I have, two grandchildren. I've got a third one on the wood. No, I've got three grandchildren, four. I have, so I'm a grandpa here. And... Uh, I have, I have a fourth one that's coming. Uh, my, son and my, my son-in-law, married to my oldest daughter, is my senior associate at our church. He's running a service now. My second daughter is down in L.A. They're having a, a premiere service in the middle of Hollywood at one of these lounges 
these beautiful bars they have down there. They're having a church service tonight, and they just want to win Hollywood. It's just crazy. So they're just crazy. And then my son uh, is, is our youth pastor. And so I think one of the greatest things is, to me is, is not how many people come to a church or how many people or where you go speak. It's that my family's going to heaven. My family's in ministry. I thank God. That is my claim to fame, that my family's saved and my family's going to heaven. And I think that's the greatest thing that you can say. Uh, you know what, today in this, this month here, let me just encourage you with the other pastors coming in. It's not a matter of rate the preacher and rate who's the best. Uh, put your cards away. It's, it, all of us are called to do different things. We all have different giftings. Uh, we all have some things that we do well. Your pastor does things well. I do some things well. Things I don't do well, he does well. And so all of us are, are together on a team. You understand that? It's not someone is better. You want me to tell you who has the biggest church? I count it. Are you ready for this? The devil. The devil has the biggest church in town. Sorry, Big Valley, you're not. Sorry, house, we don't have it. They got more people on the golf course right now than what we have in here. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, is that we have to move outside the church if we're going to win our city because I know you want to do that, I want to do that, and that's what I want to help you to see today. Now, this is what I want you to do. Everybody get a sheet of paper? Everybody get a sheet of paper? All right. I want you. Now, let me tell you what we're going to do with this. One of the things that, that God has, I, I believe, has helped me with, and one of the things that's dear to my heart is just winning souls. I mean, it doesn't matter where I go, who I talk to, or whatever, somebody's going to get saved. Uh, because you know what? Um, just to give you, and what I'm going to have you do while I'm talking here, I want you to write your family members that are, how many have family members not saved? Lift your hand real high. How many have people you work with, friends not saved? Okay. All of you here begin to write names. You could fill up both sides of the, of the sheet of paper here. Now, let me just tell you a little bit here. When I was, uh, I grew up in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, I played football in high school, and uh, my dad lost his job, in, in, in he, he wanted me to go to college, but he lost it when I was going to my senior year. So I said, the only way I could probably go to college is to get a scholarship. And so what happened is I, I did well my senior year. I was an All-American uh, running back, and I had uh, many of the SEC schools, Alabama, Bear Bryant, and so forth, want to sign me. You see, size-wise, I didn't have the size, but I was very fast. I would say I was scared. I was real scared is why I ran fast. And so, so uh, I went on. Didn't have, I didn't know God at all in high school, never, know, never knew Jesus, never accepted the Lord or anything. And then I get to college, and the quarterback on our team is a preacher's kid. Out of all things, he's a preacher's kid. And he comes up and wants to meet me, and he comes to me the first day, and I, they nicked, I had a nickname called Boom Boom, which we had a ship cannon that used to shoot every time you made a touchdown, and we were averaging over two, I was averaging over two touchdowns a game, so the cannon would go Boom Boom. Thank you. Thank you for hearing my story. And so, and they would shoot that. So, they call, so, he, so, so this guy comes up to me the first day in my freshman year. He says, hey, are you Boom Boom? I said, yeah. I said, who are you? He said, I'm Denny. Well, I didn't know who he was. I never met him before. First thing he says to me is, are, are you saved? I said, from what? I went, we're saved from what? I never heard that before. He said, are you born again? I said, no, I went to a Catholic church when I was little there. He said, well, you know, you've, you've never accepted the Lord. I, said, I didn't even understand what he was saying. I had never heard that until I was a freshman in college. Sad. But here I was living in the United States of America. I hadn't listened to any Christian music. I couldn't sing Amazing Grace, never heard the song. And I ended up going to college and as a heathen, not knowing anything. And it took three years, this person here, here's, here's what this is. What you're saying on this sheet of paper is, you know what, Pastor Glenn, I'm not going to give up on this, these people here. 
I'm not going to quit on them. I know it's going to be a miracle to get them saved. Some of you, it took a miracle. Come on, amen. It took a miracle to get you saved. But look where you're at today. Me too. I, I didn't, no one would have thought I'd have been in church, especially preaching. <laughs> Write the people down, and I want you to believe this. And listen, when this is over with, we're going to believe, and we're going to see some breakthrough. I want you to have expectation to believe God is bigger than whatever situation they're in. God can break it, and God can destroy it, and God can bring them to Christ. How many are with me on that? Amen? Is that good? Okay, so you write that down. What happened is the third year, third year of uh, playing football in college, um, we won two national championships. We, we were, and uh, what happened is, is that I, I just said there's no purpose. I said, what's the point? And just as quick, just to let you know where I'm coming from, and then I, I, I just knelt down in my room. I knelt down on, on the carpet in my dormitory, and that's where I accepted the Lord, and I got saved. And from that day to the day I stand before you, I've never been the same again. I've absolutely never been the same. So what I'm telling you is that I know Glenn Berto's still out there. I know there are Glenn's still out there. I, I, I know that Rick's still out there. There are people out there that, you know what, we're not going to come to your church. We're not going to come no matter what you do. We're out there. We don't even listen to your music. We don't like your Easter program. We don't care how many eggs you put out. We don't care about your Christmas program. See, we're the world. We don't care about that. We got better music than you have anyway. We got prettier people anyway. See, see, we don't need you. So then if we could just understand that something has to change, and this is what I briefly want to talk to you about, because I feel as much as you do, I want to see our city saved. Amen? Somebody say Modesto will be saved. Yeah. Come on, everybody say it. Come on, Modesto will be saved. Okay. Uh, you, you know, let me show you a few scriptures here. Let, let's, go to, let's go right here. Look at what it says here. Satan, the god of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see. So you say, well, you know what, Glenn, how are we supposed to reach a world then when their minds are blinded? He didn't blind the heart. And where do we speak when we speak to people? I'm not speaking to your face. I'm speaking to your heart. And so right here, we realize why we have to get the message out. Go ahead and next one. And then it says they don't even understand the message we preach. Listen, if it was just preaching, would we not have massive churches all over the city? Because we have good preaching. You have good preaching here. Why is this not open at seven days a week packed if it was just the preaching? But apparently there's something else that we're missing as far as reaching all of those lost people if something happens. So I've entitled this The Church Has Left the Building. Church, we're going to need to leave the building to be able to reach some of the people like us. We're going to have to get out because they're not going to come hear me preach. They're not going to hear your pastor preach. They don't want to hear us. They don't want to talk to us. So how many are ready for this? It's going to be good. Lord, I pray you'll help us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. You know what? When I tell our church, I said the church doesn't start until you leave the building. Do you think we're having church right now? We're not. Let me help you. We're not having church because the only one that's working is me. You're not doing anything. You've just been watching, clapping, saying, yeah, you know what, I'm the only one doing it. What that means is, is when you come to church, here's the understanding. I want to change your understanding of how we reach a city. How do you reach those people on a sheet of paper? All I'm doing is going, you're at the gas pump. I am filling you up. You turn your power off when you go get gas. You're at the gas station. You come here, fill up, and then what happens, you leave. You turn your power on, and then you leave the place. You don't need your power, and you're not going to be attacked until you leave this building. You know that. Your family's not going to be attacked right now. Family's good. But as soon as you get out of these doors, warfare all of a sudden. Some of you fought all the way coming to church today. Shut up. Sit down. Be quiet. And then you walk in. Hey, brother, God bless you. How you doing? Yeah, God bless you. Yeah, I know what you do. <laughs> When somebody asks you, 
you know, where's your church? We answer, well, we're right on the corner of Pellendale and Tully. No, that's on Sunday. Where's church on Monday? Could be at a health club. Where on Tuesday? Might be at a coffee shop. Where on Wednesday? Might be downtown. Where on Thursday? Might be at a health club. What I'm telling you is that church is wherever you go. Church doesn't stop when we say amen and we walk out the exit. Church is just beginning. Do you realize Jesus didn't do any miracles in the church? Everything he did was outside of the church. He went outside the church. Everything is about the city. Now, let me read you something. Here's the secret. Here's here's the secret. I see thousands of people get saved every year. And this is what I finally had to learn. It wasn't four spiritual laws. It wasn't something to memorize. It was found in Ezekiel, and this is what needs to happen. Look, it says, your fame soon spread throughout the world because of your beauty. Somebody say beauty. Beauty. Come on, everybody, say beauty. Beauty. Yeah, it says, look, you, you became famous because of beauty. I dressed you in my splendor and perfected your, somebody say beauty. So it wasn't your singing that attracted them. It's not your preaching that will attract them. It's not your building that will attract them. That's what I've learned. Build, build the nicest thing in the world. It still won't, won't bring any, anybody else in. It is because of beauty. The whole world is attracted, or is that not true? Is attracted to beauty. We love beautiful things. People Magazine, beauty. Do you, you know, everybody's pretty on the cover. Access Hollywood, beauty. You want to look at house magazines, go to the store. Beautiful houses we'll never afford. Look at jewelry we'll never get. Cars we'll never drive. All of these things are beautiful because the world is attracted by beauty. Listen, so God says, if I could just make my church beautiful, then there will be people that will be attracted. Do you realize Jesus had notorious sinners hung around him? How many sinners do you have hanging around you? Well, I got a bunch. You don't know where I work. Okay, good. Then that's good. Because you're the lights of the world, not the lights of the church. See, we've got to let the light move outside the church building. We've got to get outside. But everything is based on beauty. How beautiful are you? We don't gossip anymore. We don't get upset anymore. We're not mad all the time. We're not roasting the pastor about everything. I can't believe they got another pulpit. Why do they get another pulpit? We don't need another pulpit. Why are we spending money on another pulpit? We got, we got people that just are so bugged out by the, uh, too many lights. There's lights there. I don't know about that. I need these screens. Why do we use it? Oh, no, no, no. Just stop it. It has nothing to do as far as eternal value, as far as lives being changed. We have now, the devil has moved us to minute areas to concentrate on rather than a soul that is going to have a name written down in the book of life. And I'm saying, let's get back to Let's get back to looking at So let me ask you this. I don't know, Big Valley. Let me just ask you. I don't know where you're at. I just preach it like I'd preach anywhere. All of a sudden, two men come in holding hands down the aisle right now. Oh, are they gay? Are gay people coming in here? Holding hands, hugging each other, walking in. How do you react to that? How are you reacting to that? Little girl over here, 16. Mama been on crack, but nobody knows that. Don't even know who her daddy is. But she's been walking the streets of Modesto all last night. She comes in. She's all dirty. She's been doing tricks all night. She doesn't have a bra on, a little top on. She's got her little high heel shoes, and she starts prissing down the aisle right here. What's wrong with that little girl? I can't believe she's dressed like that in here. Folks, that's the city. If you're saying you want to reach the city that Jesus did this for, then that's what they look like. They got piercings 
in places you know not of. They've got tattoos all over. They're going to look different than you and I. When Jesus called Lazarus, said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus didn't have time to put a suit on. He's wearing his grave clothes, but he's still coming out. We've got to realize that somebody, if we really see a revival in our city, then some of us are going to have to move over because somebody might not have time to bathe. Somebody hadn't had time to change clothes, and we're going to have to love them in spite of what they look like because God loved us in spite of what we look like. I can't hear you, Big Valley. See, everything's beauty. We go to beauty parlors. Beauty cream. Do you know they actually have a cream that you can rub to, to remove fat? Can you imagine that? A cream, and people are buying it. You can rub it on, on your stomach. What, what is it, a pile of fat next morning in a bed? I don't know how it works. You do anything for beauty. We have beauty pageants. We don't have ugly, we don't have ugly pageants. We have beauty pageants. Who in here wakes up every day, make me ugly? Nobody. And isn't it interesting, isn't it interesting too that the name that God places on us as a church is the bride of Christ. Why would he, what is the bride? How many, how many have been married here? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah the bride's beautiful. You know, what happened, ladies, you remember when he gave you, you know, he, 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 he got engaged to you, you know what, will you marry me? Yes. And then what happens is the guy just next day doesn't tell anybody. You, you walk around and you're showing it off to everybody. He hadn't even told his friends. You're going great. Immediately, oh, what am I going to wear? What color are we going to do? You get right into it. The guy does nothing to prepare for the wedding. He just finds that old tux he wore to his prom, and he puts that on, and he's fine. Nobody cares about when the groomsmen come in. You see in a wedding, they come in, nobody even moves. But then they start playing, dun, 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 dun. What do they do? Done, done. They don't know. They're getting ready to be done. You're going to be done. Yeah. <laughs> done, done, da, done. And they done, done, da, done. Come on up. <laughs> and they walk up. What happens? We stand. Oh, and everybody, oh, look at her. She looks so good. I've never seen her look so good. She looks so beautiful. Wow. And everybody look. Oh, where'd she get that dress? And you're looking at that. Okay. Well, listen, listen. That's what the world wants to see with us. Ooh, I wonder something is so beautiful in here. I can't stay away from this. See, if you're not going to be the bride of Christ, the only other thing you can be is the bride of Frankenstein. And the bride of Frankenstein is man-made, ugly, put together with dead parts, scared of fire, and only has one friend named Igor. <laughs> now, Let's see, how much time? Uh, or you're writing names. You're writing names down. Okay, let me tell you this. This is going to be funny. <laughs> when I first, here, here it is, I just get saved, okay? I've never read a Bible. I've never had a Bible. 
I don't know what the Bible says. Okay, got it. How, how many of you, what the first one in your family gets saved? Raise your hand. First one in your family gets saved. How many, the rest of you just raised in church all your life? Raised in church? How many of you were raised in church all your life? Raise your hand. And we welcome the angels. Who? I don't know who's in between there, but, that's, but you, we welcome you here. And so, <laughs> you angels, thank you for coming. And <laughs> so, I didn't, I, don't, I didn't know how to witness. You know, I, this whole thing of taking evangelism, I just got saved. I'm an old football jock. I'm a football player, and I get saved. I am a heathen. Just get saved. All I know is that I drank something that lit me up called God. I mean, he put, he, Jesus changed me. And from that day, now, I used to, I played the guitar back then. I played, I still play a little, but I don't play much anymore. I, I grew up playing Hendrix. I, went, I was in, I played Cream, played uh, Clapton, played uh, Deep Purple, playing uh, Steppenwolf, played, played, uh, some of you are having a flashback right now. I know, right? Woo! A lava lamp. I want a lava lamp. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And so, <laughs> I just enjoy going to church, folks. I just like going to church. And see, if people, you know what, if your friend, you tell me, if your friend was here today, they would say, I like this place. I like you. I like being here. I think we sometimes scared to bring. They would like your pastor if they ever had an opportunity to hear him, right? They would like him. They would enjoy A couple of you believe that. Thank you, both of you. All right. Well, <laughs> So, so I didn't know how to witness. All of a sudden, I played all this. And so, so Denny, the guy that led me to the Lord, has been a preacher's kid. He, had, he could sing and had a little band called The Vessels. The Vessels. And he comes to me and he goes, hey, uh, hey, Glenn, I want you to join our band. I said, well, I don't know, how to, I don't know any Christian song or any gospel. He said, just come with us. You can play by ear. You can pick it up. I ended up from Louisiana. It, here is a, down on the swamp. And he, we go to Kansas City. He knew somebody in Kansas City. Two weeks after I'm saved, I know nothing, don't have a Bible, I'm in Kansas City, and we're doing these night meetings, like the old revival things, we do that. And so, and so Denny, Denny goes, okay, Glenn, go, boom, boom, going out and witness. Go witness in the, in the park and invite people to come to the night meeting. Okay, watch this. I've never witnessed for it, didn't know how to witness, and this is my first one. I go in the park, I don't know what to do, I'm just looking around, I look for somebody who looks kind of normal. I'm in Kansas City. I'd never, I'd never, and so I said, hey, how you doing? I just want to, my name's Glenn. We have a meeting here. We're in town from Louisiana, and we're doing some meetings down at the church. I want to invite you to come. He goes, oh, you don't know what's happening tonight? I said, no, I don't know what's happening. You don't know what's happening in the park tonight? I said, no. He said, Guru Maharaja is here tonight. <laughs> this is what he tells me. I said, Guru who? He said, Guru Maharaja. I said, do you believe he's God? Oh, no, he's better than God. This is what God tells me. And I said, well, so you, you, you can't come? He goes, no, you need to. He starts witnessing to me. And he says, you need to come. And he tells me, when you sit there, you'll see the glow around his throne. And in the air, you'll be able to taste the nectar. I'm like, I never tasted nectar in the air. I wonder if I can get out of my thing and come. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, it was convincing. I'm like, he's good. You know, the world is good. Are they not good at getting people to do drugs? Are they not good at getting people out to drink? They're real good at that. Boy, they can get people like crazy. They can pull you in. And so, but I didn't know what, I didn't know any scripture, didn't know anything. So I said, okay. He said, you try to come, and he runs off. 
I said, okay, i got to find some. That's my first. Here's my second one, second one. You think it's going to be easier? This is what God did. Watch. So I go up and say, hey, how you doing? I'm Glenn. So we have a meeting here. we got a revival meeting. I'd like to invite you to come here. He goes, we have a meeting tonight too, and, and we're studying the Bible. I said, well, great. I said, why don't you get your Bible? Come bring your Bible study over. He goes, no, we're not studying your Bible. We're studying the satanic Bible. I mean a Satanist. The second person I witnessed to is a Satanist. And he starts witnessing to me about Satan's better than God, and I don't know what to tell him because I hadn't read the book. So he goes, oh, try to make it. I'm like, wow. Now, now what happens to me, I get mad almost. I, in my spirit, I'm like, devil, you're really trying to embarrass me, aren't you? You're really trying to bring some, some of your weird, kooky people here, and you're trying to embarrass me because I made a commitment to God. That's what you're trying to do. I said, I'll tell you what, and I had this kind of, man, I, saw, I welled up with like, buddy, that's not going to happen again. So I went and bought a big, the biggest Bible I didn't realize that, that, that it was a family Bible that I bought. I, I didn't realize they were smaller, but I wanted a big Bible, and I, and I had to fly down to meet some people down in L.A. I've never been to Los Angeles. I'm from Louisiana. Never been to Los Angeles. So I've got this giant Bible, and I'm walking out, and I'm looking for, devil, send somebody now. You want some of this? Come on. And I'm walking, I'm walking trying to show it off, you know, trying to look at my Bible here. Now, back then, some of the younger people don't know, the, the older folks would know, they used to have the Hare Krishnas were in the airports. So the Hare Krishnas in the airport, and they have this big sheet out, and they're sitting on a rug, and, you know, they're over here doing things. Well, so all of a sudden, I'm walking around, and here Tinkerbell comes. He's got, he's got his hair shaved. He's got a ponytail, and he's got a robe on, and he's got these little monkey symbols on his hand, and he's running to me. Hello, kind sir. And he sees me with a book. And he goes, I want to give you our book. Well, I didn't know, you know, I looked at his book and it had all these gods on it. I said, well, it doesn't look like the one I have. I said, thank you for your book. And what I was going to do is throw it away so he couldn't give it to anybody else. I didn't know what it said, but I knew it wasn't the kind of, it wasn't a Bible. So I took it, I said, thank you. And I walked away. Well, he can't, he can't just give you a book. He's got to get some kind of a money for it. He's got to get money for it. And so he runs up to me, clicking. He goes, you have to give me money for the book. I said, no, I don't. I said, you didn't tell me that when you gave me the book. I said, you gave me the book, didn't you? He goes, yeah. I said, thank you for your book. And I walked. Kept walking. Oh, now he's clicking mad. He's, oh, oh, no, you're not. No, no. And he's clicking away. And he stops me and says, hey, you got to give me the book back. I said, I don't have to give you the book back. He goes, give me the book back. I can't go back to my rug until you give me some money for the book. I said, do you know why? And then I, and then I went off. You know why you stopped me? It's because I have this book. I don't know what it says, but I have this book. <laughs> and I said, Does your, has your mama seen you lately? Look at you. Got a ponytail, got little, little symbols on your fingers. You look like a nut. Look, let me tell you something, what you need to do with this book. This book belongs in the garbage. This is where, and everything. And I threw it in the garbage said, that's where. And he goes, ah! And he, <laughs> Lord, you think I was a little harsh maybe? I need to soften up my approach. And I felt, I felt maybe I need to back off a little bit. I went a little hard on that one. 
I'm trying to figure out this thing winning souls. How do you do this? That very night, here's the fourth one. I'm serious. I'm not, you can't make this up. This, this is the fourth one, back to back. I'm in the back setting up like albums, eight tracks. I know I, I just want to see what generation I have here right now. Yeah, we didn't have CD. We, you know, we had to do this albums. And so I'm setting up the table in the back. All of a sudden, this little five-foot kind of, this five-foot little small guy walks in like this. I didn't know that he, but he was studying religions of the world for his college. I'm by myself. He comes in. He goes, may, may I ask you a question? Oh, well, yes, grasshopper. Sure. <laughs> sure. What would you like to know? <laughs> Tell me about Christianity and what it means. I'm like, I hadn't even read the book. I, know, I, don't, I got a guy asking me to now, now, you know, share the faith. You know, give, give me the understanding of Christianity compared to religions of the world. I'm like, look, man, I, I don't know. I just, I just tell you what happened to me a couple weeks ago. And so I shared my testimony with him. I just said, I knelt down and I told him that. He didn't seem phased by that because that wasn't deep enough, I guess, for him, you know. And so he goes, thank you. And he begins to walk out. I said, no, 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 no. And I, I'm thinking in my mind, I can't lose him. I got, I got to figure out this thing out. What do I need to do? I said, no, no, come back. Come on, bonus, bonus question. Give me one more. Come on, one more. Come on back. <laughs> this is honestly, Curtis, what he says to me. I have one more question. If you can answer this, this will help me. I said, okay. All right, good. Let's do it. Let's do it. What's the question? He looks at me and this is what he says. What does God think of motion? Come again, come again. What did you say? He says, what does God think of motion? Of motion? Yeah. Can you answer that for me? What does your God say about motion? I said, man, I'm not, I don't understand. What are you saying? He goes, this is what he does. He goes, I mean like picking this book up and putting it here and picking it back up and putting it here. What does God think of motion? Oh, Lord, what, what do you think of motion? Is there a chapter of motion in the Bible? I, I don't, God, if I can answer this, I could win this, this guru here. I just, I don't know. Help me, Lord. And I said, okay, okay, I got to answer him. I said, what's your question? He goes, what does God think of motion? I said, okay. Here's your answer. God said, it's okay. If you want to pick the book up and move it here and pick it back up and move it here, all day. Do it all day. God has no problem. Just do it. If that, and he goes, and then he begins leaving. I'm like, oh, okay. I, 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 he starts walking out. Now listen, so what I said to him, I said, hey, I, I, and I kind of get, I said, thanks for coming by. I said, appreciate you coming by. Just want to tell you I love you. He stopped. He said, what'd you say? I said, thanks for coming by. He said, no, 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 after that. I said, that I love you? Yeah. Why did you say that? 
Why did you say that to me? Because you didn't say that with your head. You said that out of your heart. That just came out of your heart, didn't it? I said, yeah, it did. Why did you say that to me? I said, well, two weeks ago, I wouldn't have said that to you and wouldn't have said that to anybody. But what I've been trying to tell you is since the Lord changed me, I have this supernatural love for people, and I really care where they're going to spend eternity. And I care about you. As weird as you are, I still care about you. I'm only saved two weeks, folks. Come on. And, and I said, but I care about you, and I want to see you go to heaven. He goes, no one's ever told me they love me. No one has ever said to me that they love me. He said, you're the first person. And he came that night. He accepted the Lord, and his life was changed based on the simplest thing in the world. Put this scripture. Let me just show you what it says. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for what? We're back again with beauty. For who? Not just for you, for one another. Because see, one of the first things the Bible even said, Jesus says, if you're going to become my disciple, the first thing he says is deny yourself. Meaning, our biggest issue is we're selfish. We're selfish people. Deny yourself. You can't take up the cross and follow me till you get rid of yourself. Because see, thy kingdom comes when my kingdom goes. So i got to get rid of everything out of me, and if I do, then I have no problem loving, and it's not based on what you look like. It's not based on how much you make. It's not based on what you drive. I will love them on the basis of are they going to heaven, are they going to hell, and you and I need to realize that is something beautiful, and if we can get that together in the church, God could. Listen, we have a lot of things in common with unsaved people. They go shopping. You go shopping. You buy clothes, they buy clothes. You know what? I mean, they do the same. You know what? Here's what you do. Somebody likes to go fishing, go fishing. Don't read them the book of John the whole time on a fishing trip. Just be nice. Be caring. Somebody came up to me last service and said, look, I work at Walmart. I must work with 50 people that are unsaved. He said, thank you for what you said. I said, here is going to be your opening. When you start noticing some of them having a bad week, they're having a bad day, something has collapsed in their life, that's where you're now going to come in and say, hey, let me pray for you. And it's going to open a door. You have a lot in common. If somebody wants to go antique, get your wife to go. You let her go with them. <laughs> And then you have all of the social networks, don't you? You can just sit, you can sit on your phone and contact. Now, see, all of us older folks, just give us a break, young people. We don't really have it together with that. I didn't know what YouTube was two years ago. My son comes up, hey, we've got a video on YouTube. I said, what's YouTube? Okay, well, you go, okay, fine, I got YouTube. Well, what about Twitter? You don't have Twitter, Dad? Uh, what, is, what is a Twitter? I don't know, what's, what's a Twitter? Well, you got to get Twitter. Okay, fine, I got Twitter. Well, what about Facebook? You got Facebook? You need Facebook. How many of you just, I'm tired of the social networks, I'm tired of so many of them, so I'm taking YouTube, I'm taking Twitter, and I'm taking Facebook, and I'm going to form one social network, and I'm calling it You Twitface. <laughs> you want to join You Twitface, we're going to start You Twitface. Just break it down. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are told by more than a few, but the Gospels most read and talked about is the Gospel according to you. They don't read our Bible. They read you and I. You know what? They really don't. 
they read who we are. The revelation of God, actually, where they see God is how we act and what we become. I can share story after story. I don't have time to do that. I want to close right now, and we're going to take these names. Story after story, but let me just tell you this. The reason I'm, I want you to write it down, no one in my family was saved. Finally, I was writing down my family on sheets of paper, and I was laying them on an altar. The Bible says make your request known to God, doesn't it? So that's my request. I lay them on an altar. It took 15 years for my little sister to get saved. Two years later, she died of ovarian cancer but she's saved. I'm going to see her again. My mom and dad, 10 years not saved, 20 years not saved, 30 years not saved. I'm standing all over the world in different places speaking. When I get to an altar call, the devil would tell me, who do you think you are, Glenn? You've given a call to these people you don't even know, and you can't even see, get your mom and dad saved. And something that's really dear, I think, to all of us is that if you're going to heaven, you definitely want your family to go to heaven. You want some of your best friends and coworkers to go. And I've been writing my family's name down for over 30 years. 34 years and five months. Several years ago, 82 years old, 80 years of age, I, start, I sat at the table in Baton Rouge, my mom and dad. And I said, your son preaches all over the place and people get saved. And you know what? I don't even know if you're going to heaven. And I've done this before, just like you have with some of your friends, and they reject it. They're not ready for it. But I was just determined because there is a scripture in the book of Acts that says your household will be saved. And so God did not allow my family to die and my parents to die till they got saved. And you can hold on to that promise. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm telling you, here's a story of 34 years. And I said, it's time. I want you to go to heaven. It's time. I want you to get right with God. We're good people. I don't want to hear good people. You need to accept Jesus into your life and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. I want you to be with me. I want you to be with my family and your grandchildren and with my sister, your daughter. Okay. Are you going to do it? Because you want to do it. Yeah. Sitting at the kitchen table, first time I saw my mom and dad shed a tear. They began to pray. Who would have thought in their 80s they start going to church for the first time in their lives? My family is saved, and I want to believe that for you. Stand to your feet, church. Stand up. Stand up. Okay, this is what we could, we're going to do. The worship team, this did, thank you guys. You did, you did a great job today, and I'm just blessed. Let me just say I'm just honored, and I love your pastor. He is my friend. And if there's anything that I need or he needs, I mean, we're there for each other. And, you know, Pastor Scott Miller, we're good buddies. Steve Hutton, I mean, we play racquetball every week. And I got so many friends. And, and, and we're family, folks. We're just one family. We just, we just meet in different places, but we're just one family. What we're doing is, I don't know if you can see. Let me show you. Let me just show you a little bit here. This, this, is, from, this, this is from the other services here. The names, that, that whole page is full of names. This, this is from the other meetings. What we're going to do, when you bring these forward, and we have some of the people standing in the aisles, we're going to pick these up from you. We're going to put them on the cross. And what Pastor has, has been so, so nice to do, he said, look, I want to leave it up for a few weeks. And he said, we're going to believe, and we're going to start believing again. I know some of them are tough, but then again, I, we're, we're all we're tough. But we're going to believe they're going to get saved, okay? So I'm going to pray. And then pastor can take it, and then you can start bringing. What you're going to do is bring your sheets down, and we're going to start putting them on a cross. 
And just stay for a few minutes. I know we went a little bit, but just stay for a few minutes because this is important. When we're talking about our family and them being saved, I just, want to, I just want us to take the time to believe and pray for them. And let's start believing they will get saved. Bow your heads. Father, I pray today this church will be blessed beyond measure. I pray that, Lord, this church will, Father, have to build multiple buildings because we can't hold the people. I pray health upon pastor and his wife and his family and the leadership I thank you that this church exists because, Lord, we need every church that stands on this word. But, God, in our hands we have today people that are so special to us. And, Lord, we want them in heaven with us. And we're going to start believing and praying and saying, I don't know how. could be a TV show. could be somebody at a coffee shop that will talk to them. But, Lord, you can send someone and their lives to be changed. And God, we're going to keep praying, and we're going to believe, because that's what happened to us. Somebody prayed for us. And so I ask, Lord, for our families and our friends, we claim them for Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. Start bringing your, your cards up. You have pastors and leaders down here. Come down. In the balcony, I think they have people there too. Yeah. All the pouring power lights All the lost and lonely All the thieves will come confess And know that you are holy They'll know that you are holy And I will sing out hallelujah, and we will cry out hallelujah. All the hearts you are content.
time. Shout it. And let me, uh, let me just say this real quick, okay? You know, there's a lot of names, and we're going to keep this cross up at least through this series and maybe even longer. And this next week, we'll put all of the, the cards on there. But this says Ben and Carrie, Lauren and Amanda, Jack, uh, uh, Mom, Richard. I don't know who any of these people are. But as Pastor Traub said, I don't have holes in my, my hands. Either does Glenn. Nobody in this room does. Jesus does, though, and Jesus knows who every one of those souls are. See, the Bible says that they were made in the very image of God. And he came and lived an amazing life and died a horrible death and walked out of a tomb for every one of those names. And so every weekend here, if God doesn't come back, we're just going to pull a few names off and, and just remember this moment. But here's the deal. you got to believe. you got to believe that somehow, some way, God's going to uh, get, get a hold of your loved one. And I think God wants to use you. Yeah, you know, you could bring them to church next weekend, and they may give their life to the Lord here. Many do. But I believe God wants to partner with you. God wants the, the Holy Spirit in you to maybe be the very one that would share your story of salvation with these people. Who knows what would happen? You know, if, if everybody in this room, if each one of you just reached one, imagine if everybody who names the name of Jesus Christ at the house or the one church or Calvary Chapel, or wherever it is, if everybody who named the name of Christ, who attended a church, if each one just reached one, whoa, just one, what would that do to our city? Maybe God's going to use you to reach just one of these folks, just one. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. I'm thankful for Glenn, blessings on him and his church and his family. I'm thankful for all of the names on that cross and those that are at the foot of that cross. There's, there's thousands of names. And you died for every one of them. You loved every one of them. Help us, God, to live beautiful lives, holy lives, righteous lives, God, I believe that, that, that great things are going to happen because of today, and I pray this in your name. Amen.